Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, and now I'm living in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Sure, I am from the northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you today from Beijing, China. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today, I want to talk about Asian business owners in New Jersey who have been warned by the FBI, according to Shell de Pacina, an article on Yahoo News, that sophisticated criminal enterprises are targeting That's them. horrifying. It is. But it's also, it's not, I, so I read the article in some detail. I don't want to read it out to you. That might not be too fun. <laughs> but they're not just targeting the business owners in their places of business. They're also, and primarily targeting them in their homes. And the FBI's says the reason for this is a like stereotype that Asian business owners keep their money in a safe or in their mattress and the bank as opposed to in the bank. So people are like stalking these Asian business owners at their places of work and at their homes and finding out what their routines are. And after a few days or weeks of research, they break into their homes looking for this uh, supposed loot. That used to be kind of a thing that people did here in China as well, that we'd like to keep cash. (laughs) But now the bank system makes it's a safe place for your money. And because things like that used to happen, people don't do it anymore. But also, we just don't have cash anymore. (laughs) We don't use cash anymore. Oh, yeah. People don't have cash. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Jason, there's a huge, that makes a huge difference. I have like 10 coins somewhere in the house. Okay, I do have like 500 quiet in my bag. I just carry them around. Why do you carry 500 quiet? (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't advertise this. Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case you have to be prepared. But I understand that. But Alex won't have that from tomorrow because she's putting it in the bank. (laughs) No can do. I'll still have that 500. Oh, my gosh. You're telling everyone in Beijing who listens to our show. I just realized if you're in Beijing, you know, if you need 500 quite cash, I haven't. That's it. Alex is a six and a half foot tall. Tiny, tiny lady. <laughs> lady. Only on one side. Shaved head. Can't miss me. And yes. As she walks with a cane. That's how you will be able to find her. <laughs> I was really curious about this. So I looked a little into this. And so what the FBI are doing are warning uh, these business owners to, I guess, buy a special kind of camera that automatically detects people's license plates and puts them into like a database to see if the same license plates keep appearing and at what times they keep appearing. So I guess now all Asian business owners need to become like FBI agents and like start is this my neighbor or is is this yeah. a stalker? Someone that I don't know. And you have to make like a, a chart, charts and graphs <laughs> in order to like track. This is like terrible inconvenience. Also, it's like, I wonder who is after installing a camera like this. Who's the person analyzing the footage? Mm-hmm. Like, am I the owner, the Asian business owner analyzing the footage? Like every day I'm just going to re-look yeah, at seriously. my entire life, that the whole eight mm-hmm. hours. That was a way I'm going to watch all of those. <laughs> or let's say fast forward. Sure, it takes like an hour, two hours to watch those. Every day I'm going to watch that. And then 
just remember the the license plate and see if it, it matches anyone that I know or don't know. What if someone just moved into the neighborhood or the, the house next to mine? Then you should confront them. <laughs> Who are you? How did you? Why didn't you let me know first? You know, I have a camera in my house and uh, we it's plugged in all the time. We can check it with our phone from anywhere. Yeah. And we've actually messed with their cat a few times because it has a speaker in it. And you can like look oh. into the camera. And we could see our cat, May May, hanging out. Sometimes we'll be just like, May May. You too. And she's just like. She's like looking around. What's going on? <laughs> that I understand. If you want to see anything is happening, if you have pets and, you know, if you have kids at home with 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 nannies or we yeah, call yeah, yeah. IEs in China. I know someone who does that. Yeah. Right. And th- that works. I understand. And then the speaker then makes sense. You know, if you're at work, you want to talk to your kids. That's OK. But a camera that's looking out on your driveway or the street you are on, that's that's a lot of information. Even though we, it was fun to mess with our cat a few times. Times. The reality is we almost never check our camera footage. So like in a, in the period of like two or three months, maybe we'll check like what's going on one time for 10 seconds for kicks. The only reason we would need to check the footage is if if there was a break in. So yeah. it's mostly it seems like useless. But they're really affordable now. Yeah. So like you, anyone can get like as many cameras as they want, even like people on a budget. I wanted to go over some statistics really fast. Mm-hmm. So like why this is a bigger problem in the U.S. than maybe elsewhere. So I found this from Statista.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very great place to get free data. If you want to get the really cool stuff, you have to pay more. They mention here per 100,000 inhabitants in 2020 is the most is the latest data. Mm. There were. 1958.2 uh property related crimes. So that's about 1 in 50. Wow. So that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I was really shocked to read that. But then I was looking at another piece of data from ma- macrotrends.net and they list a bunch of countries and how much they uh the crime statistics are per 100,000 people because i wanted the exact same kind of data china mm-hmm. 0.53 so we're talking about i i don't even know what like 4,000 times more property related criminality in the united states than china yeah so I'm not as worried about break-ins in China now now that I've read the stats, actually. (laughs) Not really. And it's kind of common knowledge or at least some kind of agreement among a lot of expats who've lived in China for a while because we were just talking about breaking in (laughs) the other day. And they said, well, you know, thieves are usually not violent. At least I didn't feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was living in the States, I was like, if someone broke in, I feel like my life is in danger. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because they don't want to go to jail mm-hmm. and now you're a witness. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, maybe I've watched too many movies. I'm not sure if it's real or if it's just like Hollywood, but I would be absolutely terrified. If I heard a noise and I was in America, I'd probably just get climb out the window or something. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I have had that. It was it turned out it was just it was actually a neighbor trying to open the door. But in the process, he knocked over something. But we were living on the first floor i jumped out of my bed um and i just i just stayed up until like five in the morning because i was so scared to go to sleep well you know here's here's the thing that that makes it different in the united states and china in china we live in these most of us not all of us you can have houses people have houses but most people live in like tower with like 20 or 30 stories yeah and you live on one apartment in there and then that apartment is among several apartment buildings inside of a gated community and almost everyone lives inside their own gated community 
with which has like walls and security guards and like cameras if they get through that which is not that hard actually but it is it, it is possible if they were to get through that you know by walking maybe through the parking garage or something then mm. they would have to identify a specific apartment and then have to break through a huge door. Most people have huge metal doors with like a very powerful lock, which would be very difficult. And the neighbors would be like, who are you? Why are you? Yeah. yeah like it would be an incredible feat to accomplish a home bur- break in in China. It's very, very unlikely. And so it just doesn't really happen because if in America you're in like a house. Yeah. Now your, your house is now accessible from 360 degrees of yard. And so you have multiple multiple windows and maybe two or three different doors into the home. So like the accessibility of a home and making it more of a target is kind of just like structurally built into the design of the way that American homes are exist, which I'm not saying that it's bad because if, hey, hey, if you have a yard, you can have a dog really easily, a big dog even. And that's really cool. And they can just run outside when you don't want them tearing the furniture apart. (laughs) So there are advantages and disadvantages. But, you know, in terms of like accessibility for being burglarized, Mm. China doesn't have that as a feature, pretty much. Not really. I was actually actually looked up some of the reportings on crime in China. Like you said, China ranks the number ranks uh, the ninth in a higher, quote unquote, higher crime rates uh, countries in the world. And this again, this is the uh, according to this website Mm. called xkyn.com and it's saying we are Mm. sometimes if we look at the number of cases it may seem it's a little higher in china but that's (laughs) because we have a lot of people and it sounds a little ridiculous but it's really the case and even from people who live here it's never i know that a lot of people when they first got here uh from our friend stories they're like oh we don't want to walk on the street at two in the morning they got used to and they're like i don't care nothing's gonna happen to Mm. me ever I, i think that there are crimes that happen in China, but they're not the kinds of crimes that Americans are used to. So I had a friend, I'm not going to mention his name, I don't want to embarrass him, but he got invited out for tea okay. by a lady on his social media platform that he was using. I'm not actually sure which one he was using. And he went to a tea house. He went in and had a very lovely session where they gave him a menu. And then he ordered a couple very simple teas or a dish or something. And then at the end of that, they brought him a different menu with much higher prices for the same (laughs) items. And they're like, you owe us this amount of money. Oh, no. And he was like, whoa, this is not the same. And then, you know, some tough guy types were like, "Okay, pay us this money or whatever. He actually went and got help, not in the form of police, but in the form of a Chinese friend who went back and was like, what are you doing? This this is my friend. And actually got he got the money back. But, you know, I think scams and kind of tricks are maybe more prevalent yes as opposed to like get here there's a knife or a gun involved or someone's breaking into your home or business even the kind of crime that i'm talking about in my friend's example i think that's extremely rare it almost never happens too but it's much less likely that someone's going to attack you and ask for your stuff in china like considerably like less like yeah i uh i was reading this article on the paper.cn which is i'm not sure if you heard of them heard of them before they're one of the major new forces of news media and on that are saying in the year 2000 they looked at the number of the types of crimes in china Mm. and of course we have various economic development status in different provinces Mm -hmm. but most most of the crimes that you see nowadays are uh spams you know tell us tell us spams i'm sure we've Mm -hmm. all we have all received that phone call from people Mm. that 
claiming to be whoever they're not. Um, but they're also at the same time putting in a lot of uh, programs to make sure people are educated. Mm. And I don't know if you've seen those videos again on Douyin of local policemen when they somehow were able to track that you are about to wire money or you're really talking to. Yeah, they, when they track it, they rush to you, making sure you're not going to wire the money to those people, to the wow. scammers, because once you do, it's really hard for them to get the money back. And then people really mm. buy in on what they get. But that's the most common type of crime mm. that we see in China. Oh, yeah. Dive into the sports world with Sideline Story, our weekly podcast that brings you the most up-to-date game analysis and news from the latest sports action. We didn't trouble the London side at all, but could argue they should have had a penalty. It's really difficult for a player at age of 39 to compete. I don't know what it is about Nadal, but when I see him play, I can feel his personality whether you are a die-hard supporter or an armchair fan, hop on and enjoy the ride. Subscribe to Sideline Story on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you listen to your podcast. You're listening to The Bridge. originates outside of China. So I remember reading about a lady who kept sending money to her boyfriend in quotes that she met on the internet, yeah. but to her boyfriend turned out to be someone in a less developed part of the world who was just pretending to be interested in her romantically. Yeah. So yeah, online kind of stuff. Actually recently watched a 20 minute video about these, uh, like I guess reverse hackers who hack mm -hmm. people who are trying to scam people for fun and for their YouTube channel. And so I thought this was really interesting. They say the scams that they see look like are you are at home, mm. you're probably older and you're looking for like a recipe, for example, this is the example they use. And so you find a recipe for like a chicken tikka curry or something right on the internet and you click on to what looks like a very legitimate website with recipes and because you're on that website, it will pretend that there are pop ups on your computer in the face of the website. Mm -hmm. And then after all the pop ups attack your computer, then a link will pop up saying, oh, your computer has been attacked. This is Microsoft. Please call this number immediately. So obviously, if I'm you know, 30 years old, I'm not falling for that <laughs> because I know enough about computers to know that that's not yeah. legitimately an attack happening to my computer. But say you're over 60 or 70 years old, you may not be as savvy on the Internet. So then they call this number and then they're like, oh, hello, Microsoft. And then you can imagine what they do to folks from there. But oftentimes it involves getting people to voluntarily or spend money on like gift cards or transfer money, whichever way they think is going to be most ideal for a particular target to get them to transfer money. And by the time that they have lost all their money, that's when they realize, oh, this is not Microsoft. Yeah. So these reverse hackers, just you know, to finish off the story, what they actually do is they have found where the global, <laughs> I guess these people are just very privileged and have money al already. They found the location, the physical location and put cameras and microphones in the location of the places in like India or Africa inside these people's facility, yeah. which are oftentimes huge and have hun hundreds yeah. of people working there. And then they will actually call, you know, 
Grandma Jones or whatever <laughs> and say, hey, you are being hacked. The people who are talking to you are not Microsoft. This is the real And then Microsoft. they don't believe you. <laughs> no, you know, I thought that might be the case, but I was listening in on the phone call that they recorded warning someone. And she's like, oh, oh my gosh, I thought that might be true. <laughs> so I th- actually, I think if you fall for the first one, uh-huh. you're going to believe the second person anyway. Yeah. But fortunately, in this case, the second person is legitimately trying to protect these elderly targets. So yeah. It's kind of depressing. It's a little sad, but you mean you have to laugh because this is the world we live in. Yeah. But again, to kind of circle back to our topic today, it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. oh, we're talking about we just need to know more. Like we need to implement mm-hmm. more programs to teach people how to identify mm-hmm. uh, scammers from people who are actually working there. And it's never it's never, you know, wrong to be too careful, too yeah, safe, yeah. you know. And if you really can't do that and you don't believe that one day you, when you wake up and open your eyes, you have, you just have two million quiet waiting for you somewhere. <laughs> most of the time you would be OK, you know. Yeah. What kind of money can you really lose if it's just from careless mistake? Like, mm-hmm. ah, like sure, who I, I recently lost 500 quiet because. Because I've been putting money, mm-hmm. me and 500 quad. No, I've been putting money into the wrong, <laughs> what do you call that? The power account for your apartment. I've been typing um. in the wrong account number and just been constantly putting money into it. And the neighbor is like, air conditioning. Yeah. And then one day our power went out and I was like, why? I just paid <laughs> the person from the grid company game. And they were like, that is not your account number. I was like, oh, oh, well. So as long as you're not that careless, <laughs> you won't Alex. you won't lose money or not. Wow. I don't know. You know, it seems like you might be a prime candidate for one of these educational <laughs> seminars. <laughs> this is the example. <laughs> this is the bad case. Oh, yeah. So learning Chinese, the most difficult thing. So I'm sort of tone deaf. I can't really hear them. I think the cultural mindset is the biggest complication for the grammar. Take away Chinese, where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. You're listening to The Bridge. Criminality aside, I guess this is not criminality aside, but like home break-ins or like scams aside, you know, there we have already discussed in previous Mm -hmm. uh, episodes of The Bridge, there has been a dramatic rise in anti-Asian violence in the U.S. Oh, absolutely. And there are, you know, literally people being murdered in the streets. And so, uh, you know, this is largely in Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, but it's uh, happening all over the country where people are being attacked by deranged individuals who are, you know, getting their cues from a media which can't stop bashing China, um, which is really, really sad. But this is another kind of violence towards Asians that is based on racism. And so it's kind of sad that this kind of profiling is happening and that Asians seem to be the targets kind of over and over lately. Yeah, I was uh, I, I was looking I was just looking at you know, comments or news or whatever on Asian hate crimes and actually on the mm. the Ministry of Justice website. Mm. They said mm. that I remember we talked we talked about how the number of crimes that are against Asians really spiked in New York, Los Angeles, you know, the, the San Francisco, these bigger cities where mm. Asians mm. are more present. At the end of last year or earlier this year, there was an episode that we recorded a while ago and you would think that, you know, the world is kind of going back to normal. I'm hoping. And right, we're hoping. And then there have been a lot of uh, stopping Asian uh, crime against Asian Americans movements, protests going on. And it's more Mm. visible to people. You Mm. would think that it would go down. 
but according to the Ministry of Justice website, it's actually <laughs> it didn't go down. It's it's going back up again, mm. which doesn't really make sense. And in a in a survey they did, a third of the Asian community um, feel like they are they're threatened and they're living under constant worry about mm, the possibility mm. of being attacked and i don't know if i forgot if we talked about this but in march there was a challenge oh, on social media as to call this like a slap a nation challenge I, I heard about this is on tiktok wasn't it that's something like i don't know if you remember back in the days it was another quote-unquote challenge called uh something like the knockout cold or the cold knock something mm. which is to see that you're going to record a video it's teenagers as well and this is like this is kind of teenagers as well uh, or at least it's targeted. It's aiming at teenager, mm. teenage participants. That one, the, the one from like a long time ago is the same thing. Like teenagers go on the street and just randomly punch a person and see if you can just knock them out cold within one punch. Wow. So it's still things like this that are happening kind of, you know, regardless of everything around the topic of stopping Asian hate crimes. I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know what the solution is around this. I think that's why we're here. We're here on the bridge to talk about and educate, inform uh, some of our North American friends that, you know, some of the mainstream media that is out there is trying to demonize China. And, you know, this doesn't just affect Chinese people in the U.S. or like, you know, third generation Chinese people, but basically all Asians are now yeah. being targets as a consequence of these Definitely. huge, and I'm not talking about one side or the other. I'm not saying you know, blue or red, mm -hmm. but both all of the major media outlets smear and incorrectly frame the North American perceptions mm -hmm. of China in a way which causes people who are easily influenced or maybe deranged a little bit yeah. to go and act on, you know, violent impulses towards Asian people because life is bad. Inflation is up. Homeless is on the rise. Mm. And, you know, the media is telling them who to not like. Yeah. And so those, you know, you look, I mean, we have the war in Europe and now people who own like Russian pastry shops are being attacked mm. and like people are throwing through things through their business windows. When the media attempts to frame an enemy, then regular people who might not be very stable are, are going to go take that out on people, take out their frustrations on a group of people. And this we see this time and time again in the United States, where a particular minority group in the United States is framed badly by mainstream media. Yeah. And these deranged people go out and they act violently to take out their own personal frustrations on who they perceive and, quote, enemy, because media is not being responsible for how they deliver the news. They're trying to be sensational and get in people's faces. When I, at least for me, when I started to see news uh, about Asian Americans or just Asian people in general, because we don't really know their status, they could be Asian people living or visiting or studying in the United States being attacked on, you know, on the street. And when I see that kind of news just coming up every day, it kind of makes me wonder. I'm sure you're very familiar with this and our listeners probably are familiar with this idea of Asian Americans or Asian uh, residents in living in the United States are kind of the model citizens mm -hmm. and to a point or to a point even like some people are say they're the honorary white people mm. of America. Mm. Um 
But at the same time, you're looking also looking at a lot of people that are not at a privileged mm-hmm. spot in their mm-hmm. life, and the, because of how they're portrayed mm-hmm. in media, how they're talked about, and there's even an act of saying like we should raise the the uh, the admission mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. requirement for Asian kids because they're a lot. So many of them are getting into the best schools. I thought that's the point of a meritocracy was to let the people who are capable in a little bit. Right. No, exactly. And then now you're like, so you study hard and now you're punished. Yeah. So like we want you to be we want you to be the model citizens. We want you to be good. And then you're being really, really good. And now we have to do something about that. I also (laughs) want to point out that I've read a lot about it. And, you know, as a white man, it's difficult for me to have opinions about this stuff. So I try to take my cues from others. But it does seem like, Mm. you know, when people are saying, oh, Asians are the model minority, what they're really saying is, look (laughs) at you other people of color. Why aren't you more like them? So it's really kind of an insult. It's not a compliment to Asians as much as it's an insult to all the other people of color. And it it, it kind of penned Asians against, at least when it comes to the image of the Asian community, kind of penned them against other uh, minority groups. And that's why I understand, I don't agree, but I understand some people's mentality when when they look at Asians are like, oh, if you are really fed that kind of information mm-hmm. since you were a kid, mm-hmm. you would grow up thinking these people are just so entitled and they enjoy so much better resources and stuff. But the reality is Asian Americans in America are mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. any other minority groups. Mm-hmm. We all have the one, we all have a few people that are elite, that mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. it to really important places in society making their contribution, but the majority of the community are just like everybody yeah, else. Yeah. I want to switch gears a little bit because we're, it is going into a dark place. And I think we've covered some of the terrible th- parts of this. <laughs> I wanted to actually talk about home security a little bit. So like, mm. how do Americans set up their home security and how do Chinese folks <laughs> set up home security? What does that mean? Is there just like, well, you know, my wife, she was uh, uh, threatened online because she canceled a purchase recently, a couple years ago. Wow. So in our bedroom, uh-huh. we have this really large, I'm holding it actually right now. It's <laughs> yeah, this I can really see large <laughs> metal thing. Uh-huh. You can hear a jingle maybe. It's one of those things that's short and you're supposed to be able to put it in your purse. And then when you take it out, you like, sh- I guess you shake your fist really fast and it extends. And it's a huge metal bar at that point in which you could strike someone. Is it like a a police? It's not a baton, but it's it's, like an extendable baton. Yeah. Yes. I have it in my hands. It's really heavy. So since we got this and then we're no longer afraid this of this uh, individual, Uh we just keep this in the bedroom. I think, you know, in a thousand years, no one's going to break into the house. But if they do, my goal is to not hurt that person because this thing could do some damage. Wow. Now I'm really I'm really (laughs) intrigued to see a photo or a video of how that works because I would love I've never carried any. Uh, self-defense weapons with you don't me. have like mace or mm. pepper spray no no if you were if you were in new york city i would today and you were living there <laughs> yes yeah that's that was my question yes, I, <laughs> I am already i'm a i'm a very paranoid person all the time like mm. i know it's really safe to walk on the street in beijing but if, if i'm walking home mm. alone by mm. myself mm. you know what i do i just hold my key yeah i know a lot of ladies who do that yeah i hold my key i i, I and stick they're between it out. their fingers yes so exactly someone, so that if someone i'm just gonna punch them with a key but and that's the most preventative measure you could do with that well i mean there's a really important 
important thing in China. It's really important. I don't think our North American listeners are going to understand because it took me years to understand this concept. Yeah. But actually, if if you get in an altercation with someone, one of the goals in China is to not actually hurt that person too bad. It should be just enough to get away because even because if there's a fight, the court usually spreads the medical bills fairly evenly over the people involved in that altercation. So if you mm. hit someone in the face with a fistful of keys, they're definitely going to be seeking medical attention. Yeah, it's I mean, I, I've, I've imagined I've watched too many movies and TV shows where I imagine the moments when I'm like, I turn around and I swing <laughs> at someone who's trying to, to take my purse, whatever. And it never happened. Knocking yeah, on wood. Yeah. I don't think no they, one's ever attacked me. Yeah. I never even come close. Not at all. Not at all. But it, but in New York, I I remember when I was living there, this was way before our topic today was a hot topic. That, like Asian people are not just randomly attacked mm, um, on mm. the street. I saw another piece of news on NewYorkMagazine.com. That person was attacked while the assailant was kind of screaming that, you know, <laughs> I'm basically I'm beating you up because you're Asian. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen similar footage where they're like, explaining their racism during the assault yeah i was like how because not okay. maybe, maybe they're trying to get into jail because if you commit a hate crime and the police determine that it's a hate crime your your the extent of your time in jail or prison is dramatically raised it's supposed to dissuade people that's that's funny before we talk more about the the home security uh system mm -mm -mm. that's funny because i actually read this article on cnn and said that only seven out of 233 reported attacks against asian americans in uh new york in the new york city in 2021 led to hate crime convictions so most people just get away with it mm. i don't mm. know no i read um, i read a similar statistic but i think it's just because it's really difficult to prove things but if you're that crazy guy screaming i'm attacking you because you're asian yeah, like, you're asian then, like that's a that's a chance i'll take well you i mean if someone gets that footage i think that's provable in court and those are the seven people you know what that might be the case given that there are six hundred thousand homeless people in the united states currently it's understandable that some people with mental illness might want to actually have a home in jail i know that sounds strange to the rest of us mm -hmm. but like if you're suffering on the streets what's the difference you get three square meals in jail that's kind of sad it's very sad Oh, yeah. 2,500 years ago, an old man rode on his buffalo and headed west of China. Before he vanished into the wild, he left behind a book of 5,000 words, which for the next two and a half millennia would have shaped the Chinese way of thinking. Subscribe to the sayings of Lao Tzu and find out why generals with wisdom yield after winning the ultimate battle and how staying behind just might help you get ahead of others. The sayings of Lao Tzu is available on all major podcast platforms. You're listening to The Bridge. So home security, I wanted to ask you, mm -hmm. you, your mom, your friends, other than like a very strong door, <laughs> is there like a kind of a standard kind of thing that Chinese folks do to protect themselves in China? If you have to pick one thing, if I have to answer this question, Jason, if that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got to create a stereotype for our listeners. <laughs> if they give you something, then it's, um, you know, you've seen those older, much older apartment buildings mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. six uh, stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tall 
wall, those buildings, you would have that kind of the metal bars installed outside uh, of your window. The old. Yeah. Yeah. Those old yeah, buildings. To, right. To stop. They do. Yeah. To stop people like from, uh, from uh, breaking in. And I always was wondering about that because in America, the bars are really straight on the windows, flat on the windows. But in China, it's like a box that comes out a little bit. So you can put your flowers there. Yeah, exactly. So I always thought, <laughs> is that for security or is that to hang your laundry and put flowers? Because that's used for both, maybe? That's a very good question. But I use it for flowers. I use it for flowers and vegetables. <laughs> and uh, to just, it feels like it gives my window a balcony that they didn't build. So <laughs> I loved it if it's not too thick when the bars are not too thick or uh, right against the window. Like you, like you said, the mm-hmm. window that we at, we had our, in our old apartment because we're on the first floor next to the, mm. the building door. That one was close. It was like yeah. against right against the, the, the window, the glass. That didn't feel too good. But <laughs> um, and I didn't see this too much in Beijing, but in my hometown in the northeast part of China, people did a lot mm. of uh, mm. design work in that system. Like there are curved little patterns and then the bars kind of beautiful. Uh, so it's, it becomes sort of a decorational, but more of a functional piece. But other than that system, I really can't think mm. of anything else um, that's installed as a group behavior to make sure your home is secure. You know, it's really interesting. There's a uh, famous Roman. He said uh, bread and circuses. Basically, so what prevents a revolt is ancient Roman juvenile. Mm. I think it's really interesting. Maybe China 40 years ago, 50 years ago, when these six story buildings were built, maybe because there was not as much affluence in China, that mm-hmm. was kind of necessary. But if you're looking at new buildings that have been built since the 90s, those bars on the window thing, they're pretty much absent. Yeah. You don't see it. Because the crime rate is just, it's really been going down and the investment in that or the yeah. sacrifice, the compromise you make for having that on your window. People have to question. People's income are rising year after year after year after year. So there's not like a feeling of want or desperation. So the bread part is mm-hmm. pretty much taken care of. You know, in the United States, increasingly since like basically the 60s, you know, inflation has steadily been going up and sometimes really high, like now and in the late 70s. And, you know, wages have been largely stagnant against inflation. So people are less well off mm. each generation. And so you see in dramatic rises in crime in the United States along certain kinds of criminality. Mm. And so there, there's obviously a correlation between desperation and crime. Yeah. That's why you don't see crime in China, I think. I think that, you know, people are just well off compared to how they were before. Yeah. They're better, better well off now. I actually was looking at the statistics recently and totally different unrelated thing uh, just for like savings. And people in the globe tend to save at 10 or 20 percent of their income, mm-hmm. whereas people in China's mainland mm-hmm. save about 40 to 45 percent of their income. So mm. people in China are more fiscally responsible in their own households than the global average. So yeah. not only are people more prosperous, but people have savings to buy real estate or buy a car or, you know, yeah. take care of a, a necessary medical expense, which would be cheap because of the medical system that exists here. So yeah, you just don't have the triggers that would create criminality as much. Yeah. Here. I mean, the our civilization, our culture is kind of built on the development of the agriculture uh, identity. So people kind of have that genes of being able to save and instead of going for, you know, the, the joy, the 
the the thrill of uh, consumption. The basic survival instinct is to know that if I have something, I don't go overboard with uh, using it or, or or spending it. I keep a little bit in my pocket in my bank account. Which is not to say that Chinese consumers aren't spending because if you go into any mall, you will see that they are. Yeah, but that's that's within their their budget. Their budget, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. again, uh, it's really not a uh, like credit card fraud is not even closely as bad of a, a, a situation here as it is in mm-hmm. the United States because a lot of people like my parents till today don't I don't really use my credit card I used it like maybe once when I was purchasing something on zumba.com because mm. I have to use a visa card to buy uh, dance clothes that I really really like <laughs> other than that I don't even touch my credit card um, and a lot of people really don't some people use the the credit system in Alipay mm. which is linked to your Alipay bank account or whatever mm, mm. Um, payment that you bind it with so that you you rarely get yourself into a situation where you know how people could end up in jail if they fail to pay their mm-hmm, uh, credit mm-hmm, card mm-hmm. bills in the States or they dig themselves a deeper hole for using credit cards. It's not really a mentality. It never became a thing here. It's still not the major trend of spending in China. There's no jail for credit card debt. What happens is they'll garnish your wages till you're just impossible. Oh. I guess what I skipped. <laughs> there is jail for for not paying yeah. your tax bill. So if you if you try not to pay the IRS, there is jail, I think. But I think for like your credit card, you can just declare bankruptcy and just be broke. Yeah, I guess what I skipped was, um, <laughs> you know, the TV show Orange is the New Black, where yeah, yeah, yeah. the lady was in mm-hmm. jail because she got sucked in. That's what I that's what I meant when, when I say mm-hmm. you dig a mm-hmm. deeper hole for yourself. Mm-hmm. You got sucked in and then you're like, oh, here's the system. I can pay back one credit card with another credit card. <laughs> and then, yeah, you, you know, I think you're totally right. Yeah. If you look at the the household consumption and debt, I think it's like more than 50% of all of Americans have less than 1,000 saved. So if there was an emergency, they would have no money. Yeah. Most people are managing their life on credit in some way or another. And oftentimes that is with credit cards. And when you have a lifestyle like that, the credit card interest goes up and up. So it's, it becomes impossible to save. So there's a culture, like you, you pointed out, in the United States where people live on credit. Yeah. And in China, that's not really what credit is for. People live on on their budget. So both Americans and Chinese people mm. consume quite a lot, actually. You know, they go out and they live good lives where, you know, uh, they go out on the town and stuff. The difference is Chinese people are living off of cash. Yeah. And American people are paying huge exorbitant interest rates to banks to continue to, to consume. So banks are taking a huge portion of American income. There's also another factor, purchasing power parity. So, you know, China's, I think, total mm. national GDP is something like $17 trillion. And the U.S. is like 21 or $22 trillion. But actually, because of purchasing power parity, and I'll try to briefly explain that. That's what you can actually buy for the money. So what the actual cost yeah. of goods in your economy are. China's economy is actually like mm. 24 trillion and the Americas is much more like 18 trillion. So in terms of purchasing power parity, China has eclipsed the United States in mm. its total GDP under PPP. So what that means is Chinese people go out and they spend stuff. less yeah. money to have the same amount of awesome time to buy more stuff and more goods and more services where Americans are spending more money for the same kinds of goods and services and that there's where the credit starts to come in. I wanted to talk about uh, home security. So, you know, we asked you 
and yeah. cages for old, old, old buildings. And I think they're big doors. And some people yeah. buy the Xiaomi camera like I have because my, it wasn't yeah. my idea. It was my wife's idea. Um, other than that, uh, people have like electronic doors. So, you know, you put your fingerprint or a code to get in as opposed to a key. Yeah. People have metal doors, uh, but that's pretty. And facial recognition doors. Oh, my nowadays. goodness. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. We did a little little search on Taobao and uh, JD, which is uh, kind of like the the eBay and the Amazon mm. in the mm. States because uh, our friend just moved to a new apartment and we're like, you need to change the locks. Let's see. Get you a passcode lock. And then all of these different types of high tech locks just came up. And I was like, I love the I love the facial recognition lock. You just, wow. Yeah. You kind of just look at your camera and say, I like the punch code. Personally, I just feel, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, everything was buttons. So uh-huh. I feel like I'm an astronaut or something putting in a code at my door. Aww. <laughs> That's a little precious, like a little kid in a sci-fi movie trying to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but there are all <laughs> kinds of locks. And honestly, when we look at it, we think is, oh, this is fancy. Like, it's fun. Yeah. Not so much as like the security. Yeah. Yeah. It's, of course, part of the concern. Like, you people can't copy your keys. You If you don't have a key to lose, which could very well happen to me, I am not. A very, mm. I'm a very careless person. Mm. Um, for mm. me, that'll probably be ideal, but that's more for a convenience purpose. Oh, yeah. The best military commander is not he who fights a hundred battles and wins every one of them. The best military strategy does not lead to the desiccation of the enemy's capital city. Decoding the art of war will help you understand why there's no art in war and how Sunzi stayed undefeatable using the science of war with fun stories and insightful breakdown of famous battles. Tune in to Decoding the Art of War on Spotify. You're listening to The Bridge. Let's really briefly talk about the U.S. They have everything so that you have like these laser security systems where if you open a window, it triggers an alarm. If you open a door, it triggers an alarm. Yeah. So people have cameras on different parts of their house on the outside to look in different directions and cameras sometimes inside the house to look in different directions. Some people hire security services to watch the video, actually, too. So if you're like pretty bougie, you have actually real persons checking in on your home yeah. periodically. People have, you know, uh, sometimes they put fences around their private property. Yeah. Um, some people rarely uh, they ha- live in gated compounds. There's a place it's called Danville and it's in California. It's where mm. a lot of rich people live. There's a community called Blackhawk. Okay. And this Blackhawk com- community is all gated. And these people are not like a normal folks. They have their own helicopters and stuff. Yeah. And at the gates of this community, they are carrying like machine guns. So <laughs> if at the, at the very peak, the pinnacle of wealth, you have, you know, the whole nine yards, as it were. Yeah. Because I have a gated community too, but my gated community is like a teenage boy. Like he's just looking at his phone as people come and go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have a weapon. Or they're just <laughs> trying to talk to you or they're trying to, maybe they're waiting for, I know that people like to, a lot of people's packages in the States that get, get stolen because you just leave it on the porch and people just come and take it. But Mm-mm-mm. I don't, I remember seeing that when I first went to the United States and I was staying in a very old house in Cambridge, Boston. Um, 
And then on the window, it says home security system installed. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. look, I try to look around the window. I see where there's a wire, there's a button, mm-hmm. whatever. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think if anyone opens the window, so anything mm-hmm. would happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it triggers anything. Because it's just a window. Like, it's not wired. You can just buy those stickers. Um, and it didn't look like. I've, I've done that. Right? I was like, I've so, actually just bought those stickers. So you, you're just doing that to yeah. scare yeah, yeah, people yeah, yeah. off. Make and them say, think. Like, like, maybe there is a security system. Like, if I put a, a saying and, and like a sticker on my door and said there's a giant angry dog inside <laughs> yeah exact beware of angry dog or something beware <laughs> sometimes it's enough just to frighten people my dad I, I think i've told the story before but i'm gonna tell it again my dad used to put a lock around some of the equipment at work because we worked in he, he owned his own construction company mm. he'd leave things like really tall ladders and stuff at the site because it was too inconvenient to put them away sometimes yeah and he just locked them to like a two by four or whatever you know on site and i w- i asked dad why are you using this lock someone could just break this lock we have stuff in the truck i could break it easily and he's like yeah. it's not for you know uh, real criminals this is just for normal people so normal people will see it and be like oh that's too inconvenient yeah. i'm not gonna take this ladder if, if you're like a, a real criminal you're not going to construction sites to steal ladders anyway you know you've got like your eyes on some other prize your dad sounds right that was that was a very nice thing, a very wise thing that he said a lot of times we're like oh we're gonna put these uh systems what system can you really put in place that is going to stop crime if they're really, you know, I think if they're intent and educated about criminality. Yeah, I know. Like, I feel like the only way is to find a safer community or find somewhere where you don't have to really worry that much about it. Because mm. it's like if you're going to somewhere mm. that is infested with thieves. There's only so much <laughs> you can do to yes. just protect your property that, that you carry with you. There's not that much you can do. After all, I think at the end of the day, it's still how safe that area, that city or that country is. We can't underestimate how smart people are because they're people who break out of prisons and prisons are designed by like whole teams of people to be to not be broken out exactly (laughs) so people are really smart and they'll figure out a way to break into your home if they really want to but you know i wanted to go back to packages on the porch because that is a fun thing to watch youtube videos where people like catch people stealing their Mm pack you know in the communities we live in, sometimes people will leave all their packages on a table yeah. at the front of the community and they just sit there for hours sometimes. No one takes them. No one even <laughs> thinks to steal this stuff, you know, because the teenager's just on his phone with his feet kicked up. No one like is really paying attention to see if who's taking whose package. People just don't steal stuff here as much. Like you could just leave piles of stuff in public that who knows what goodies are in and people just don't take it. So like yeah. this kind of criminality doesn't really exist in China in the same way that it exists in the U.S. This is a very funny comparison, not funny, kind of ironic, because you know how there's kind of a, a, a stereotypish idea of Chinese neighbors not knowing each other nowadays because we all live in big mm. buildings and it's like elevators and people don't talk to each other mm. that much. A lot of people take pride in the fact that neighbors in America, they talk to each other, mm. you know, mm. they know each other. When I was living in Astoria, um, New York, our building only had that building only had three families living in it. Uh, we rented a first floor. There's a family with two sons, teenage sons on the second floor and uh, a an, an much elderly gentleman living by himself on the third floor who rarely comes down because it was uh, it's hard for him to walk all that stairs. In that building, when we received our Amazon packages that were also put on a little table in the on the in the front mm-hmm. porch, 
we have had our packages open so many times and we know we're like, God, we know it's the kids upstairs. We know it because <laughs> we had the funniest, the most hilarious incident was we had our me and my roommate both had a uh, a kind of a document or something like a brochure or booklet mailed to our door. And when we got them, we didn't get them mm-hmm. when Amazon said, hey, your package has arrived. We didn't get them. We're like, oh, God, no, it was stolen. Uh-huh. Two days later, those two packages reappeared on the on the little desk. They were opened by someone, of course, mm-hmm. but resealed with blue tape. You know, that kind of like non-sticky mm-hmm. blue tape that, that you can't peel off and, and tape yeah. again. And it's kind of like... A sorry, hey, we opened your yeah. package, but we didn't find anything interesting inside, so we're going to open it and put it back. Yeah, this wasn't an Xbox, so you can have it. <laughs> I know. I am like, and that's the neighbors that we know. Mm. And we, we didn't know what to do when we saw them again. <laughs> we're like, we don't know. We don't want to just accuse you of opening our packages. Yeah. But yeah. who else? Wow. Oh, so it's very weird. I, I've never had people that I know here in China who are like, oh, we're just going to randomly open your or your package and see what it is inside. And if there's, something, if there's nothing interesting, I'll put it back. That's sad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Welcome to My Stories of Chinese Characters, Season 2. I'm Uncle Han Si. This season, we will travel to different destinations and experience the different sceneries throughout the year. This season, we will taste delicious foods. Delicious, how sure. Feel the delicacy of Chinese silk. Uh, Some people say that this is the world's first computer because each one of these is an instruction. And enjoy the local architectures. Yes, it's a big house. Chinese Guzhou. We will feel a sense of camaraderie on the slow train. And feel the excitement in the snowfields. I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will take you to see a different China from the perspective of Chinese characters. Meet us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms, or on our website, radio.cgtn.com. You're listening to The Bridge. You know, like in China, even though home deliveries are the thing, there's, we talked about this before, there are like uh, facilities where that you can walk up and there's like a big locker system and you walk up and you punch in a code. So like maybe they could do that in the States because it seems like this is a bigger problem there. This is an easy solution where you have like a big locker system and there's a computer attached to it. Oh, I already figured out why it wouldn't work. Someone's going to vandalize and destroy the computer. <laughs> I was thinking that the people that are on the last mile would not be very willing to do all of those code inputting and, you mm. know, all of those things. Well, maybe it could all be automatic with a laser and then just, you know, maybe, the, you know, Amazon's got billions of dollars. They could figure out some way to make it easy. Mm-hmm. In China, you have a kiosk that is an electronic computer to order your food. And we've had this for a long time. They're just starting to get these in the last few years in the United States where you can choose in McDonald's and other stores to use an electronic thing. <laughs> so what this tweet was, was that someone really smart, I guess, and really knew computers had installed the video game Doom on the McDonald's kiosk. So when you went up to try to order a cheeseburger, wow. instead it was like 
are you ready to play Doom? <laughs> so I'm just imagining if we tried to create an electronic kiosk in the United States to get your Amazon packages, that's some smart nerd who's going to go mess with the computers. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of implementing a new system in America is just kind of <laughs> exactly. It's a little bit intangible for me. It's so hard. It's going to take so long. Yeah. Who's going to screw with this one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking you need to have like a chute that you can put boxes in, but that people cannot go through for some reason. What if you what if you have a really big piece of home appliance being delivered to your door and you're not home? Oh gosh. Just be home. That's the only solution. You have to just be there. Pretty much. Even, you, you know, they have cameras that show like people doing all kinds of things. And there are so many YouTube videos. They're like people stealing it. And then also the delivery people just chucking it from five meters away. And so like it seems like a really tricky thing to like, how do you keep your packages coming to you in a safe way? Yeah. Amazon really should invest money in solving this problem because more people would be more likely to order packages online on Amazon it was safer to receive your packages. So this is a mm. this is a problem that's probably costing them like billions and billions of dollars because if I'm in America right now mm. and I live in a place where I feel like my package might be messed with, I'm just going to go to the mall and buy it. Yeah. I mean, I want to I want to bring it back a little bit to, <laughs> okay, to okay. our topic today because I did I did want to because I came across something new that I didn't know before. Mm -hmm. Even when I was in the States, I didn't know there was a month of Asian American history. Mm -hmm. There's the history of African Americans, mm -hmm. which is February. Black History Black month. History Month, thank you. And then there is actually a month for Asian American histories as well. And yeah, I heard about this. It's fairly new, if I understand it correctly. Yeah, um, I was reading on PBS.org, and it lists out kind of the current problems, the stereotypes against Asian Americans, mm. um, and how a lot of things are actually actually from internalized oppression of whatever that happened to the community and being kind of pitched against other communities. And there's a lot of mm. kind of like tensity that's, that, that's built within the Asian American community itself. And I mean, if anyone's interested, go on pbs.org and really read their articles and they lists out, they kind of point out a lot of things that we kind of take mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. for granted and remind us of a lot of the facts, historical facts of how Asian uh, immigrants in the United States really mm -hmm. help built the identity of uh, American society mm -hmm. today. Well, you know, this episode has been really interesting <laughs> because we're talking about criminality. We're talking about anti-Asian violence and racism. We're home security. It, it is a really important topic to actually discuss. And we've talked about anti-Asian violence in the past. I think this is something we're going to have to keep revisiting periodically Definitely. because it is an ongoing problem. You know what? I think a lot of the media in the US, and we talked about this too, the problem is sometimes they'll pick up an anti-Asian violent case or a series of cases for an article or like a, a feature mm. on TV, but then they don't follow up. They don't talk about it again. It's like, okay, yes. now two months have gone by and we've completely forgotten, even though this is a raging problem in society. Yeah. And so I think it's important for us to keep coming back back to this topic periodically and make sure that we are continuing to bring it up and our listeners are continuing to be informed about it. And in future episodes, we would love to, uh, Jason and I, I think we would love to talk more about the history of Asian American immigrants or a relationship between China and U.S. when it comes to just people migrating and living. Mm. And also, I would love to, if we can, talk about the kind of the aftermath of all of this uh, anti-Asian hate crimes that have that have happened uh, because I, I came across a lot of articles talking about the mental 
stress that these, mm. uh, you know, it's really taking a mental toll on a lot of people living this kind of reality uh, from a day to day basis that is something new. That's not something they used to be worried about so much. Mm. Um, so would love to talk more about that and hopefully our conversations and discussions here on the show could contribute a little more to alleviating this problem and making people just understand a little bit better of what Asian uh, community really is mm-hmm. about and what their culture is. Maybe that'll help a little bit. Also, I'd like to, for our listeners, if you are an expert in this field in any related way and you want to come on to the show and express your ideas, please leave comments with us. We have the opportunity. We would love to have experts on the show share your ideas with us. Please listen in to our next episodes for more insights and be part of the bridging of East and West. Bye, Jason. Bye, everybody. Bye, Alex. Bye, Alex.